Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Love. There's probably not a subject that's more talked about than love especially in our country, in our magazines, in our books, in our movies. And there's probably not a subject that's more misunderstood than the subject of love when it comes to our own culture and all the education we get about love. When it comes to the Bible, there is a definition of love that comes in both the verbal form and the actual visual form in Christ himself. And so we begin to understand love. In America, we have an extreme loneliness problem. Statistics show that Over 60% of people in America experience long lengths of loneliness during the year. We also have a problem that people don't have someone to talk with. We also have a problem that people don't feel a measure of value in their life or a measure, really, of acceptance in their life. All of these come from a relationship, how you see and feel and know love. And So we're going to go and delve into the subject of love. There's two things simple that I want to get across to every person, whether you're a seeker on your way to try and grasp the love of God for your life. If you're a person that's away from God, that really has drifted early on and now you're later on in life and you really have no relationship with God, this would be a great reminder of you of how much God loves you. If you're a performance-minded person that you have to work through everything and work for everything and No matter what happens, the more you do, the less you feel, the more you do, because you're on that treadmill of performance. You have to win love. You have to prove love for people and, in your mind, maybe even for God. So I'm speaking to that person also that might be on the performance track or trying so hard to get some uh, response from people. And when you don't get what you want, you even try harder on that performance track. And we want to get you off of that. To receive love is what I'm after in this particular series. I want you to be able to receive love no matter who you are, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what you're experiencing in life right now. Experience the love of God. So I'm going to try to move that right into your lap and drop that in your lap during this series. Also, I want you to learn how to love other people. In this particular series, we'll talk about several things, but love will be the root to everything that we talk about during this particular series in the gift and the gifts of love and the other four that we'll be talking about. First of all, God is the gift giver. Our God is a loving God and his nature is to continually give good gifts. So God's the first gift giver. He's given us the greatest gift. To his children, we can count on him to liberally pour out his never-ending supply of gifts. Spirit, soul, body, all different surprises. And he only gives wondrous things into our life. Sometimes we don't recognize the great gifts God has given us until they're gone. Until they're removed from our life. For an example, health. What a great gift to have good health. You take good health for granted. When other people that struggle with asthma, just to breathe is a problem. Other people struggle with other kind of 
physical ailments that causes them to be limited in every area of life. And they're reminded all the time as they see someone else who walks normally when they don't, breathes normally when they don't. Someone else who has, well, we can go through all the different physical ailments and diseases and problems, and you know what I'm talking about. So a lot of times we don't appreciate health till we don't have it. And then we realize what a great gift the body is when it's healthy. We don't appreciate relationships till they're gone. We don't appreciate that job until we transfer and get another job we thought would be so much better. Then we begin to appreciate that boss and that building and the insurance and the wage. And all of a sudden that job looks so much better than it ever looked. Sometimes familiarity becomes the greatest enemy to appreciate in the things we have. And so there's a lot of gifts that God has given us, spirit, soul, and body, that we need to appreciate. The greatest gift, most amazing gift, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The most amazing gift, not recognizable by everybody, is the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father. Second Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his indescribable, indescribable gift. Don't appreciate forgiveness until you deal with bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment or hard heart or guilt or shame. You don't appreciate a clear conscience until you violate it and have to deal with all the stuff and the pressure that comes with the violation of that conscience. And then you remember what it feels like just to be clean, to be honest, to be open, to be vulnerable, to have that purity of motive, to live that way. You begin to appreciate the gift of a clear conscience, a clean heart, a clean life, the gift that God has given us in Christ brings all those things to the surface. The gift itself can be defined this way. Something that voluntarily is transferred by one person to another without compensation. To give or grant graciously and generously with the implication of good, goodwill on the part of the giver. Now, when we talk about God, the gift giver, we can expect great things, good things, consistent things, because we know something about God from the Bible. There might be certain people in your life that when they bring a gift to you, you already have kind of a feel about what that gift's going to be like. If there are certain people that have always given you bad gifts, poor gifts, unthought gifts, gifts you never used, chintzy gifts... Gifts that didn't cost them anything. They didn't even think about what they were doing for you. They they dropped by some store and picked it up on the way, wrapped it real quick. You know every time that the gift they give is always just going to be a little funny, a little weird. and You don't really appreciate it, but you kind of fake the smile. At least there was a thought here. But there's really no thought behind them. There's no real deep love about what they're doing. They're just kind of going through the motion of getting that gift into your hand, getting it over with. You know what to expect from people like that. Then there's people that really think through your gift. You know, when that gift goes under the tree or come to the office or the home or however you come in contact with it, you start thinking about that, that gift because, you know, the gift giver is so awesome. They think through every part. 
of your life. They, they seem every year just to know exactly how to meet the need of your life or to bring joy to your life by giving you the gift, the thing you really wanted. So you anticipate their gift. And they bring it in. You just kind of stare at it. Look at me, and that's going to be a good one. I'm going to open that one last. That, that's going to be one of those great gifts. True story, a father with a three-year-old daughter used all the gold wrapping paper to wrap a little box. The father went off on her, got a little angry because she used all this beautiful gold, expensive wrapping paper. They needed to wrap other presents, so the, the father really got irritated with the little girl. She started crying. He says, well, just go ahead and wrap the box. And so she did. She did a crummy job. She wrapped it, rewrapped it. Next morning, Christmas morning, the father was uh, handing out gifts, and they were unwrapping gifts. The little girl brings the gift to him, and here is this kind of ugly wrap, too much paper, gold wrap box. And the father opens the box and gets angry again. He said, you used all the paper to give me an empty box. There's nothing even in the box. Honey, when you give a present, you have to put something in the box. You don't just give people an empty box. I know you're just a young little girl, but you got to think about this as fathers try to lecture their children, you know. Uh, you got to think, an empty box is an empty box. Little girl started sobbing and crying, got up in her dad's lap. So why'd you do that? She says, well, dad, the box isn't empty. He said, it is empty. And she says, no, it's not empty. I blew kisses into it forever and ever. I blew hundreds of kisses into your box. And every time you open the box, my kisses are going to come out. The father melted right on the spot. You jerk of a father. <laughs> Can you imagine how bad you would feel? So he grabbed that little girl and hugged her. You know what? That man lived his whole life with that box. All the other presents went their way over the years. He died with that box in his room. And every time he got a little discouraged... He would open that box and let his daughter blow kisses on him because he was so loved by that little girl, by that daughter. God wants to blow some kisses on you. He wants to open that box and just your whole life, every time you get lonely, every time you feel the sadness of life, every time life crowds in upon you, every time that crisis hits, Every time those things come across your life that you didn't plan on, that crush or try to crush your spirit, there's a box to open. It's the invisible box of the love of God where you just open it up and God just begins to blow his kisses upon you and tell you, hey, I haven't left you. You're not by yourself. I will never leave you or forsake you. You're my child. I don't care what anyone else says. You are my child and I will always love you. Yes, I know this is a problem. Yes, I know this is a failure. Yes, I know you let a lot of people down. Yes, I know you feel like a heel. But I'll tell you right now, I'm your father and I still love you. And I'm blowing my kisses on you. I'm putting my arms around you because my love is not like the love of people. My love is an everlasting love unconditional love, and I will love you no matter what. Can I hear an amen? God wants to give you some gifts. There are five. The gift of love, peace, grace, joy, and hope. Five that really summarize the gospel. Christmas is really a time to look at the birth of Christ and understand 
What a mighty miracle happened, and the greatest gift of all has come into our world. In that gift is love, peace, grace, joy, and hope. For five weekends, we'll look at those five great wrapped packages that God wants to shove into your life. Love. I need love. Life is a struggle and has its problems. There's no preaching that any more than what I've just said. We know that. There are people on the service today, already you're struggling with things that are on your mind, in your heart, on your shoulders. It can be emotional, financial, physical, other people, extended family, prodigal children. It could be a number of things that's going on in your life. Or maybe you have everything in life pretty lined up, but you're just flat out lonely. You don't have the friends you need. You don't have the people around you that you really need to lift your spirit and enjoy your life. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you've isolated yourself. Maybe the greatest gift that God could ever give you at Christmas is a friend or someone to open that box with you and love on you at those times where you just need the love of God. I need love. Because life has its problems. But when I am loved, I have hope. When I have hope, I can make it. Madeline Murray O'Hara, the late atheist who caused so much trouble early on and became famous for her atheism, in her diary, she wrote something over and over and over Again, almost on every page. She says in her diary, I wish somebody somewhere would love me. Over and over again. I wish somebody somewhere would love me. She is hated by so many people, rejected by so many people. Even her own son had a split relationship and later on he became a believer. A woman who hated God or resisted and yet deep in her soul, the cry in her own diary, I wish somebody somewhere would love me. You know, if you live your life and never have someone love you, a person, a relative, a spouse, a child, that'd be a horrible life. Because no matter what you would do, you can't fill the hole. The great news, if you never have a spouse, a friend, or a relative, or a person, a human being, ever pour into your life, there is one who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus, and he will love you like a family. He will love you in a way that he'll fill that hole, and you will never be without someone loving you. The Lord Jesus Christ. No matter who you are. The gift of love. God's love for you is beyond, beyond any other love you have ever experienced. Not like human love. A love that accepts you as you are. It's hard for me to accept me as I am, myself. And it's hard for me to accept other people as they are. 
When love comes, acceptance changes. It should. So the very first thing when the love of God comes into my life and I begin to experience the acceptance of God and the forgiveness of God and the love of God and the value that God puts on me, I then begin to what? Love myself. The Bible says if you can't first love yourself, you will not love anyone else. You have to learn to love yourself and accept yourself. As in what God has done for you and the way he has created you, God wants you to love yourself. And then you can love others and love him. It's a greater love. A love that accepts you as you are, heals you, fills you, pours over your life, an abundance of love. Someone said, God's love is like the Amazon flowing down to water one daisy. God's love is like the Amazon River flowing down the mighty Amazon, massive billions of gallons of water to water one little tiny flower. And so you can see the love of God is so massive, so unbelievable. He's come just to water you, to pour upon you more love than you could ever ever, ever have in your whole life. And then God wants you to respond to him. Little girl who had two dolls. She's a four-year-old girl. She had a doll on each arm. And she would just love on those dolls like girls do. You know, comb the hair and, you know, fake feed him and, you know, talk to him and put him in bed at night and go through all these things. You know, she just had these two dolls that she loved so much. She said to her mother, Mom, I love them and 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 love them. And and they never love me back. Kind of like what happens with God. God just pours his love and love and love and love and love and love on people. Sometimes people never love him back. I want to encourage you to respond to the love of God and to love him back, to love him back. How many of you in the services today would say, you know what? I'm a candidate for a big Amazon river of the love of God to flow on my life. How many of you would say, I have too much love coming to me and I don't know what to do with it. How many would say, people just say it too much, everyone just all the time, just kind of all over my life, kissing me all over, telling me how much they love me. I'm just sick of it. I need to get rid of some of these people. Push them off. I'm feeling a little suffocated with the love that they have for me. Let me see your hands. So it is around the world. We don't have too much love. We need a lot more love. How many times this week... Has anyone told you that they loved you? Looked you in the face and said, you know what? I love you. I appreciate you. I love you so much, I'm going to tell you. When's the last time? Some people go months and never hear those words. Some people go years. When's the last time you said it to a parent? Oh, parents shell out their monies and credit cards and school bills and everything else. Where's the reward? There is no reward really except when a child says, Hey, Dad, I really love you. 
You really do? Yeah, I really love you. Love your Visa card too. (laughs) But I love you more. When a child says it, or a spouse, or a friend, God is love. There are two words you need to understand because when we talk about receiving love, this is the kind of love I'm talking about. 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Everyone say that with me. Because God, everyone emphasize the word is, because God, he is love. He doesn't just do love. The very nature of God is love. There's two words. The word hased is the Old Testament word, and the word agape is the New Testament word. The word hased means a steadfast, unshakable. It's a word of choice and will, same as agape, to love the unlovable, the unworthy, and the unresponsive. God loves you even though, like the doll, you can't respond or don't respond sometimes because there's death inside of you or you're dead to those emotions. God bypasses that and God loves you anyway. Agape is a dedicated love of the will, loving the undeserving. So God will love you whether you feel like you deserve to be loved or whether you worked up enough merits for God to love you. God loved you anyway. God loved you the way you are. God will keep on loving you. God is always there. His arms are open. He is love. He cannot stop loving you. How does God love you? First, his love for you is personal. He's not some distant, superficial make-believe, religious God. He's a real God. He loves you personally. He knows you exactly for who you are. He knows exactly what you're made of. He knows exactly what you're going through. He loves you personally. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, because of his great love for us, he loves me in such a way that he can call me by name, the Bible says. He loves me in such a way he numbers every hair in my head. He loves me in such a way that he cares about every prayer I pray. He loves me in such a way that he opens every little door in my life and closes the doors he doesn't want me to go through. He watches my every step, not just my life walk, but every step that I take, Proverbs says. God loves me personally. He's interested in me. God wants to do things with me and for me I can't do for myself. Two, God's love for me is unfailing. He will never fail you. People may, life may, God won't. Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself has said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you feel that God's love has forsaken you, that's a lie of your mind. It's a lie of the devil. He can never forsake you. Exodus 15, 13 In your unfailing love, you lead your people. God's love cannot fail. Psalm 32.10, the Lord's unfailing love surrounds us and causes us to trust in him. Third, his love for you is perfect. Perfect in that he knows exactly how to shape your life, exactly how to love on you. It's perfect. It can't be any more perfect than it is. God doesn't live anything out. He can be patient with you. He can bring mercy to you. He can also bring discipline to you. His love is perfect. He knows exactly how to move into your life and shape your life. Fourth, his love for you gives you value. Love affirms and esteems the uniqueness of the one person he loves. That's you. You know, for us, we usually value something something only as it relates to us or as it can do something for us, but not God. We value something we can enjoy. If we can enjoy it, we value it. 
that car, that gun, that boat, that whatever it might be, because we enjoy it. We value it. Don't, don't touch that. Don't you dare. Because we value, because we find enjoyment in it. God finds enjoyment in us. He values us. Fifth, his love for you never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've already talked about the performance track. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. It's the same. doesn't love you any less. When you sin, you feel less, but God's love is not less. When you do something that is wrong, we feel guilt, but it's not the guilt that puts a hand in God's face and says, okay, you can't love me right now because I'm wrong. There's no such thing. God loves you through the guilt, through the shame, through everything. His love, number six, is unconditional. Regardless of what you have done, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, regardless of the excuses you make, regardless how you try to explain it, God's love is unconditional. We're conditioned to love by conditions. God cannot love by conditions. He loved you unfailingly, steadfastly, loyally. He loved you with no change. He loved you completely. He loves every part of you. He loves you. When you have that, you can do the greatest thing in life. You can give the gift of love to someone else. The greatest fulfillment in life it's when you begin to move from only loving yourself, which you've got to start there, and letting God love you, you've got to open up. You've got to unwrap the gift and let the love of God in. But it's when you actually begin, well, I think that's why parenting is so fun and so challenging and all that. But you finally get this little package, this little human being that you begin to love on. And you act so stupid around that little person. I see grown big men, you know, just kind of melt with this little child. Oh, this, this is the most beautiful. The child can be the ugliest thing in the world. But to them, that's the most beautiful child. Why? Because they have someone now to share their love with and to pour themselves upon. You need people where you can pour your love upon. We need to learn what that means. A fourth grade class, their teacher was out with a surgery. And this is how they understood love. So they sent a card. Great idea. And they said on the card, about the teacher being out with surgery, your fourth grade class wishes you a speedy recovery by a vote of 15 to 14. Only as fourth graders can see it. Do we want her back or not? I don't know. More homework. Well, let's vote on it. You know, 15 to 14, a speedy recovery. When you love, the better you love, the better you live. The better you parent, the better you husband, the better you wife, the better you manage, the better you teach, the better you work, the better you think. The better, better, better goes around and around and around. Because the more you love, love is one of those things, the more you give, the more it comes back. The more that goes out, the more you get filled up. 
And the more thrilled you get with loving someone else before you know it. Your whole life has changed. One of the famous psychiatrists here in America was given a speech. And someone from the audience stood up and said, what do you do with a person? Because he's talking to other psychiatrists. They said, what do you do with a person who feels a uh, nervous breakdown coming on? What's your recommendation? I would recommend the person to go across the tracks, find somebody that has a real need in their life, and begin to help them. Oh, that's your counsel. That's right. Because if you want to turn your emotions to a healthy place, turn it to a place to flow out and touch someone else, if you are totally depressed, if you are totally overwhelmed with life, if you are totally overwhelmed with circumstance, if you are totally overwhelmed with everything inside, if you cannot believe how much anxiety and worry and stuff is on your life, I tell you what you do. Find somebody that has about the same amount of stuff or worse and begin to encourage them and love them and help them and your stuff will go down. We'll say, I don't know what to do with those people. I don't know what to say to those people. I'm not a, I'm not a counselor or pastor. What do you do when they're... Well, do like the little boy did with the man next door. Mother went looking for the little boy. Couldn't find him. She got panicked a little bit. Then she noticed. She thought, well, maybe he went next door to see Mr. So-and-so. So she left it for a few more minutes. Sure enough, he come through the door, six-year-old boy. She says, where have you been? He says, oh, I've been next door. Well, what have you been doing? Well, I, I was helping Mr. Smith. How were you helping him? I crawled up in his lap and I helped him cry because he had lost his wife. She says, what do you mean you helped him cry? She says, well, he was crying, so I cried with him. And we just cried together, so I helped him cry. How awesome is that little boy's definition of love? What can you do? Help somebody cry. You don't have to say a lot. Help them cry. Cry with them. Laugh with them. Listen to them. Pour your love out upon them. When you're going to give the gift of love, you need to remember these words. If I have love in my life. It can make up for many things I lack. If I do not have love in my life, no matter what else there is, it's never enough. If I have love, it makes up for a lot of stuff I lack. If I don't have love, there's nothing I can do to fill it up. The world is not enough. Material possessions is not enough. Massive relationships is not enough. Money. I mean, just anything. That big hole in your heart says, man, I got to be filled up. But when you have that filled, the smallest amount of money is, is okay. The smallest house, it's okay. The job that is not the most perfect, it's okay. Because you have love. When you have love, Everything in life looks different. Given the gift of love to others, here's a few things you might want to consider right now. 
First, giving the love that is redemptive. Try this. Redemptive love is the love that covers the wrong, the pain, the blame, the punishment, maybe even takes consequences for someone. It's redemptive love. Redemptive love doesn't gossip or slander or repeat rumors. Redemptive love is a love that gets under and supports, bears up, carries the person, holds on for the possibility of a miracle, picks them up when they can't pick up themselves. It's redemptive love. Holding out for the miracle, picking them up when they can't pick themselves up, saying the right things when they are not saying the right thing. You can also give the love that loves the unlovely. When we love and respect all of a person, it does not mean that we accept everything he or she does, but that we will not reject the entire person for the part that we do not accept. We must learn to love in a way that's different maybe than our mind would tell us to love. Love looks beyond the facts. Sometimes the facts, you look at a person say, the facts would say, I reject you. Where God's love would say, you can't do that. Love does not require the person to be lovable. You want me to love you, you respond. You want me to love you, you pay back. You want me to love you, listen, I've been giving you calls and texts and everything for two years, every holiday, every Christmas, every time it comes around, and you never call back, you never text back, you never write a letter, you never come by the house. Why should I love you? That's not the kind of love I'm talking about. The kind of love I'm talking about never even looks for the repay, never looks for the, you've got to do something back for me. It just pours out. You can also give The love that believes the best. One of the greatest gifts I believe in life is to believe the best in people. Love would rather believe the best and occasionally be disappointed than believe the worst and never be disappointed. And last, giving the love away that I have received. Little, big, huge, trickle to the Amazon River, what I have received. Love is not a reservoir. Can't store it up. Not a bank. You got to give it. Got to release it. Write it. Say it. Do it. Let the love of God flow from you. Well, first of all, love God. Let your love come back to loving God again with all your heart, all your strength. That's a great start. Then you also have to love others. And in the others are some of the people that are tough to love. Some of the people that you know you've written off. You know you would rather just not have them around your life. You really don't have love for that kind of person. Reverse that. Begin to find some unlovely people. This season, I asked you to pray about it. Let's make this a season where we receive love, but we find people every day that we love on. St. Francis of Assisi said this. He said, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow, sow love. Where there is injury, let me sow pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. 
where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, let me bring light. Where there's sadness, let me sow joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. We all want to be loved, but we need to maybe first love God, love others.